Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Welcome to this episode of the SG Engage podcast. I'm your host, Steve McLaughlin with Blackbaud. On the podcast, in past episodes, we've talked about donor retention from a number of different angles, and we want to explore the whole area around helping to improve donor retention for online acquired donors compared to perhaps other channels that organizations are using. To help me dive into this topic, I'm joined by Rachel Clemens. Rachel is the Chief Marketing Officer with Mighty Citizen. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thanks, Steve. I'm thankful to be here. So this whole area of donor retention is obviously super important and and always has been. But I think what's interesting is that we do see different patterns and trends when it comes to when a donor is acquired online through your website, via email, those kinds of things. What are some things that you've noticed organizations have done to to really sort of start to improve how they retain those donors and engage with those donors than maybe historically they've done before? Yeah, so I always think about donor retention as part of the donation process. <laughs> um, in order to have a donor come back, their first experience has to be great. And so, you know, just when we think about online donors specifically, making sure that your donation form is nice and easy to get through, as simple as possible, um, you know, that it it's streamlined and that they're not having to spend a lot of excess time on the site. So removing things like phone number, if you're never going to call them or title, things like that. Um, that's the first step. And then of course our thank yous start with online as well with our online giving. So I'm thinking about that thank you page that you get after the donation form has been completed. I always uh, say our thank you pages are like our most underutilized tool in our donation retention toolbox because people kind of, a lot of times they're used as receipts, you know, it'll be like, okay, check your email for a receipt. Uh, that is, that is a great opportunity to really start that relationship with that donor in a new way. And there's lots of things you can do around thank you pages. I always think of like really celebrating the give. We know that our donors feel best right in that moment of giving. And so we want to extend that feeling for as long as we can and not just have it be an exit page for your website, but to, you know, push them further into the site. Maybe we want to share some impact data or have them go look at our annual report and see how their gift is making a difference. I think there's a lot of things that we can do uh, with thank you pages. And one other item there is I will imagine we'll be talking about segmentation of donors uh, sometime today in our discussion. But uh, one of the things I like to do is to have a short survey right there on the thank you page. So we know people are more likely to like give you information once they've already given you some information. And so because they've just done a donation, asking them, you know, hey, why did you give to us today? How would you prefer to be communicated with? So just asking not a lot, but like one, maybe two questions of our donors right there in that thank you moment to set up for a good and nurturing relationship moving forward. Yeah, I I really like that point about the donor retention starts even before that gift is made. How is that donor experience? Does it, you know, reinforce a positive message? Do do people feel like it's uh, secure and do they feel like it's clear how that gift will be used. Um, And also the point you made about the confirmation page, I think 
oftentimes organizations sometimes fall in the trap of thinking, well, this is an e-commerce experience and we just want to quickly just, you know, thank you. And here's the facts about right. the transaction and that's it. When reality is you have, it's not e-commerce, right? It's a gift. Right. It's not a transaction. It's a relationship. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that, that opportunity on that confirmation screen doesn't have to just be a boring confirmation screen. It can be the next step in the relationship, right? Right. And setting you up for that relationship. So, you know, relationship is a two-way dialogue. Your nonprofit or sorry, your donor has just said to you, I support your mission. And what you're basically saying back is how can I support you? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. The other thing is, and I've seen this happen in organizations, especially depending on how they're organized or if you've got some silo challenges, but do you have a perspective on how oftentimes someone who makes an online donation gets treated very differently than someone who makes an offline donation because organizations make assumptions like, well, they made the gift online, so clearly they didn't want a follow-up or they, you know, there's sort of that inside the box thinking that that may not actually be uh, in touch with reality. Yeah. I mean, the people who are making online gifts, they vary. And so their preferences vary. I, I mean, like I make an online gift because, you know, I don't necessarily want to talk to someone or I have a fit of charity. That's what we call it here. My sister, a fit of charity, where basically something strikes me in a moment and I get a spontaneous need to donate. Right. We have these all the time. And so that doesn't mean I didn't want to talk to somebody or didn't want to be engaged. It just means that right when that moment struck, you know, it's after hours, I'm watching the news, whatever that may look like. And it so, makes yeah. it more convenient as well, right? Right, exactly. I mean, honestly, I do. I tr- if if I can do it online, I'm trying to do it online. It's just for me, it's like I don't want to have to call and sit on hold. So that's why I prefer the online giving. It doesn't mean I don't want to be thanked. You know, we know from because we're in communications that you know most people, if you're going to try to reach out to them, you, you've got to touch them like seven to ten different times before they even notice. And thank yous, honestly, are the same way. People don't really see those receipts as thank yous; they see them as tax forms or tax receipts. And so I think you know a lot of times that relationship with that online donor or any donor starts right there at the give and then immediately with our thank yous and lots of varied different ways to say thank you. So, you know, you don't have to call them, especially if you didn't ask for the phone number in the form, but sending them an email to say thank you. Maybe you follow up with a a video thank you, a welcome series that introduces them. If they are brand new to your organization, introduces them to your impact and your mission and how their gift is making a difference. There's, there's just, I feel like a lot of times we want to say thank you and be done, but really the thank you should be extended beyond what I think a lot of people are doing. Yeah, no, I think it's a great point. Now you mentioned the S word previously segmentation. Yeah. So let's go there. Uh, Let's do it. How do we think about segmentation in the context of people giving through multiple channels over time with a goal of not just getting that first gift, which is great, but we want to drive more of a relationship over time. How, how does segmentation play a role there? Yeah. So I, segmentation is, it can be tricky, especially for smaller nonprofits, because when you're talking about segmentation, you're talking about really understanding your audiences and having good data in order to be able to, you know, slice them and dice them into different segments. So for smaller orgs, I think this can be difficult, but for most of us, we should be 
you know, looking at our donors, not just as one big mass, but as different types of donors. So for example, you know, what, who are your donors that are giving online and do they look different from your donors who are giving via direct mail? My guess is they probably look somewhat different. And so, you know, making sure that if someone's not giving to you through direct mail, that you're no longer sending them direct mail and spending that money uh, via a channel that they are never giving to. And so that that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. So segmentation not only is good for your audience in terms of delivering the content that they want in the way that they want it, but it's also good for you because potentially you could be wasting your time and money and effort, which is, you know, a lot of times the effort is actually more than the money, <laughs> worth more than the money to reach them in ways that aren't working. So I like to th- look at it like, you know, what are they engaging with? What are they interacting with? What kind of content are they interested in? Um, age can play a factor, certainly uh, direct mail versus uh, online efforts, you know, things like that. Just looking to see uh, how your how your donors are interacting with you, when they gave, how much they gave. I mean, there's all different kinds of ways to slice and dice. Um, and I think it just it's a it's a matter of making sure you're getting to know your your donors in that way. Yeah, I, I like the fact that you you noted how you know, sometimes it can be a challenge for smaller organizations, but also even larger organizations. You can overthink it or try and maybe slice a particular segment way too thin, or you know, and and not really. It's it it's even though you can do it it may not be the most effective use of your time or resources. Yeah, that's a good point. I always think of like the sexiness of segmentation can lead you down this path of like trying to do far too much because you could slice and dice your audience a million different ways, right? But you don't really have the resources to do that because the more you slice them up or create different personas for them or whatever that looks like, that just means you have to actually like once you say you slice an audience into 10 different personas or 10 different segments, the minute you do that, you've got to have 10 different, you know, outreach methods and messages and all those sort of things. So simplicity is good, especially if you're just starting. Yeah, absolutely. And so from your experience, I'm, I'm curious, is there things that organizations need to learn or understand about the language that they use when it comes to engaging and retaining donors that, again, may be different than what they're, it's not an e-commerce experience, but how much of a language is a factor there? Yeah. I mean, what immediately comes to mind with that is this idea of you versus us. Um, I think a lot of times, a lot of times nonprofits want to talk about what they're doing, um, what their mission is, what, you know, uh, maybe legislative outcomes they've helped to change, Um, And what the donor wants to know is what they're doing, like meaning what, how is the donor impacting your work? So a lot of times, you know, you'll be like, oh, we've done this and this and this as the nonprofit. Yeah. Versus versus you, the donor have helped us do this and this and this. So I think that's a, that's the first shift when you're thinking about kind of language, you know, people are, they give because they care about a mission. And sometimes they also give because they want to be seen as giving. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but also that, that element of seeing themselves and how they're, how they are making an impact. And a lot of it, it can just be, uh, you know, adjustments to language and, and how that, that supporter is part of it. Or even, you know, again, I think the importance of showing follow-up in terms of here's how your, here's, you know, the, the difference that your gift made is so critically important in this day and age as well. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, one thing I was thinking too, is that, you know, we here at Mighty System, we work a lot on like brand work. And so one thing I have noticed over the last, say, 10 to 15 years, especially as millennials are, you know, making some money and Gen Z's on, you know, heading into the workforce is that these, these generations, they really care about the brands that they support. I mean, we have seen a real shift in this idea of like social responsibility. I know you guys talk about this all the time at Blackbot, but that idea of like people recognizing themselves and the brands that they support, you know, they want to see your brand as an extension of who they are as a person and the missions they care about. And so a lot of times just making sure that even if it's not fundraising messaging, something as, you know, sort of foundational as brand and brand messaging and making sure that your brand not only looks good, but, but also is representing the values and the things that your donors care about and that you're talking about those things. They want to see that from brands. They don't want you, you know, kind of shrinking away from what's happening. No, that's, so that's great. I think, that's I, think, I think you're spot on the, the expectations about the relationship have have changed, right? It used to be, we go back in the time machine, it was more of the, you know, I'm going to make this gift and I trust you and you use it where it's most needed. And, you know, you know, that that's, that's it, right? I don't need any more proof point or engagement than that. Like I trust you use it where it's most needed. And, Today, though, people want to know more about what happens because they they personify with it, they they identify yeah. with it, and that's a critical piece to building a relationship. Is you want people, you know, turns out you want people who care uh, <laughs> right. and who are engaged, and it's important that you you address that in the communication and and how do you engage with people, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. The um, other thing I'm curious about is, you know, are there differences that you're seeing in terms of what retention means for an organization that's focused on one-time gifts versus recurring or sustainer gifts? So, you know, people who are giving monthly or quarterly, is there a different thinking or a mindset to uh, retaining those donors that organizations need to to pay attention to? Yeah. I mean, I always think of this too, in the last 10 or 15 years, this idea of like getting our videos, you know, on a screen streaming in a subscription model, like Spotify, I, you know, we were buying CDs 15 years ago. So this idea of the subscription model is fascinating to me over the last 10 to 15 years. And that's exactly what our sustainer programs are like our monthly giving our, our subscription models. It's and the, so it's the sustainer economy now that we live exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is great news. I remember being really frustrated by this when like Netflix came out, I think, especially about my software. It was like Adobe. I was trying to buy Adobe and it was like, I had to start paying for it monthly. And I was like, no, but from a use, I mean, from a organization perspective, this is great. And we, you know, the, the people out in the world, the consumers and the donors, they've all come around to it and gotten really used to it. And some people don't know a time for it. And so, um, this is all good news, in other words, for us. Um, and, and But what that means is I think a lot of times, again, we look at it as transactional. Like we yeah. have this monthly recurring donor. I know their dollars are going to be there. I'm, you know, I'm going to go and really focus on acquisition. 
but that's a, that's a fallacy. We have to really treat those ongoing, those ongoing donors are our most important donors and they're our most engaged. They're giving to us monthly. Yeah. Um, they see us every month on that bill and make a choice not to call and cancel. Yeah. So, and I've even um, heard organizations say like our strategy is, well, we don't engage them because we don't want to remind them that they did this and they might decide to cancel it, which feels like like, I don't know. It's not even the glass is half empty. The glass is empty approach of like, you're almost, ass- you're assuming that versus leaning into it and saying, no, these people care about us and care enough. And we want to reinforce the importance of that gift they're making, not necessarily every month, but you know, on some frequency that reminds them of how important that is. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they know they get a bit, I mean, most of us look at our credit card bills. We know that we're paying to you every month. So if you don't remind them, that's reminding them anyway. You might as well do the work of uh, making sure that they're actually, you know, being nurtured and stewarded along, you know, to continue to give because they have a choice every month. So I don't think we're thanking them in the same way that we are thanking maybe other kind of one time in in an effort to sustain them. So, I mean, I think of like when I, for the, organizations that I support as a sustainer, I want like behind the scenes stuff, like serve me up stuff that I'm not going to find on your website. Like I want to feel like part of it again, this goes back to that whole, you know, an extension of myself and my belief system, you know, send me, send me some behind the scenes information, you know, remind me that I give and thank me for that. And I want impact reports, you know, things that it's not like you have to create a whole bunch of extra content for me, but a little bit of behind the scenes stuff, or let me know what's coming up that you're thinking about. Or like, even if you're kind of, you know, noodling on something and I just feel like you never know that kind of transparency goes a long way. No, absolutely. I agree. So, so for listeners who are like, yep, yeah, you know, I'm bought in here. I buy into this. I want to start to improve what our organization is doing. What advice do you have for organizations who are, you know, really want to decide to focus on this particular aspect in particular, you know, retaining those, those online donors, where do they start? How do they start making the first few positive steps in the right direction? Yeah, I think, um, I always think of just, you know, when you're developing your communications plan for the year, like we're in September right now. So a lot of us are starting to think about end of year, starting to think about 2022 in our planning. So, you know, we're in a great time when you're developing that comms plan for next year, sliver, you know, just take that little, a little slice out of there and focus on your sustaining donors and think about what will they get from you that maybe other people won't, or that you're going to make sure you're very intentional about giving to them. I think a lot of times they just sort of get lumped in with everybody else, Yeah. but giving them their own place in that planning is um, really important. And, you know, end of year, maybe you could be thinking, you know, you might be thinking about how to get them to do a step up in their giving, but regardless, like the end of year is a great time to say thank you, obviously. Right. Not just giving Tuesday, but like through the whole season Oh yeah, or serve up stories of yeah. how their dollars have made an impact in the people you serve. That's the kind of stuff I'd be wanting to see as a sustainer this time of year. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think the other thing you note is for existing, you know, donors who are giving on a recurring basis, or maybe have given previously in the year, there's an opportunity for something at end of year as well. It's not a, you know, don't miss that opportunity as well for that type of giving too. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, 
just like our nonprofits, we're doing our budgeting. So are a lot of other people. (laughs) Now, a lot of people don't budget, but you know, if you, if you're like me and my family, we're planning travel for 2022 and doing all kinds of things right here at the end of the year. Is there anything that you saw organizations do or adapt to over the last year with, with the pandemic that you think might, may not just be a COVID thing, but a going forward thing that's likely to continue? Just any anything like that that might be helpful for people to, to think about? Um, the thing that comes to mind kind of immediately is just getting their tech in check. So, you know, one, maybe it's hard to call it a silver lining of the pandemic, but one thing that it definitely forced us to do was to make sure that all of our technical systems are firing and functioning properly. You know, if you were a nonprofit that had a lot of face-to-face time with donors, you didn't have that opportunity anymore. And so how did you reach them in a digital medium? And so I think that's what I've seen is just, I feel like a lot of places are have upped their games and the places that were doing well, they're just continue to do really well. Right. I mean, technology is always important, but especially through a time when you can't meet face-to-face, it becomes that much more critical. Yeah, it was sort of, I called it the vanishing options test. Like <laughs> suddenly you can't do those. Like you literally can't do those things. So you've got to try some different approaches, ways to engage, things like that. And that spurred yeah. some innovation and some and different approaches and thinking about, you know, things that maybe organizations would have not considered doing in the past for for whether it was a good reason or not. I mean, certainly events have taken a change, you know, a huge shift. And I hope that that makes them a little bit more accessible to people. You know, I mean, I think of like a lot of the the galas that people have and, you know, those are accessible to a certain subset of audiences because maybe the ticket prices are expensive or whatever that might look like. And with the virtual stuff, it sort of forced us to, you know, think about how we could offer things online at a lower price point. And that's not ideal for a lot of nonprofits, but if you think about future hybrid options, it does allow people into your organization, into your fundraising that maybe wouldn't have had that kind of opportunity before around an event. Yeah. Or that's not, you know, again, that uh, the, the event isn't really their thing. And certainly we know there's some organizations where there's a lot of money that goes into the event, but you, if you did the ROI on it, you yeah. Know, wow, why did we do that that way again? So no, that's a great point. So like you said, heading into the end of 2021 and into 2022, whether it's end of your giving or planning, any other sort of parting advice you'd give to organizations on this this topic of retention in particular, maybe uh, doubling down or focusing more on the retention of the online donors? Yeah. I mean, when we are working with our clients on end of year planning, I mean, the thing I try to push, push home, you know, immediately is like, okay, we're setting up strategy for end of year giving. What's our strategy for success? Meaning what's our strategy for all these donors that are hopefully going to come pouring in our doors here during this end of year season? How are we going to retain them and keep them from the moment they give to the next time they give, right? So making donor retention part of that strategy as you plan for end of year. It can't just be kind of like, okay, we're going to send this many emails and these postcards and this direct mail and we'll run these social ads. All of that is part of it. But then like what happens the moment they give from a retention point of view, that has to be built in to that communication strategy. Yeah. And it's a great point. And I've seen some organizations where they will they'll sort of play that out of like, you know, in a meeting context. So, okay, someone just made this gift. What's going to happen? And how do we know that that 
that process is in place or that person is prepared to to act on it, almost you know proving out are we really ready when when the when the gift happens yeah i mean i think of it like okay let's say you're going to have 7 to 10 touches in some form or fashion over end of year um and you're into your you know ask you've got to then think okay what are the 7 to 10 actions i'm going to have after it's more successful yeah um what are the thank yous and the the next steps look like absolutely rachel really appreciate you joining us on the show And uh, maybe we can have you back in the future to talk about some other ways to help improve retention and other aspects of what orgs are doing. We'd love that. Great. That's it for this episode of the SG Engage podcast. This episode is brought to you by the letter R. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 